Vish Marte and Mazen Almaskati, aka Da Disku. Thank you for joining me on the show. How are you guys? Good, good. Thank you for having us, man. Excellent. Yeah, great, man. Thanks, James. How's the UK? How's it been uh, in the last uh, few months for you guys over there? I, at least for me, very, very productive. Uh, I'm generally, uh, yeah, like, I quite like my own space and I know Mars does as well, but I think it's been a, a really, really good period for us. We've managed to get a lot done and, um, yeah, it's been, it's been good. Um, although, you know, the atmosphere generally has been quite negative and, you know, people losing losing loved ones and whatever, but mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's been good. Yeah, for you, for, for personally, uh, you've found yourself being a bit more productive, and but otherwise, I've, I'm sure, like everyone, man, like the, the the way this the world's going right now, it's just been hard to hard to take. How about yourself, uh, Mazen? How how about you? How's UK been treating you? Yeah, I mean, um, more or less the same. It's it's been an, a difficult time for a lot of people, like Vish said. Um, for me personally, um, oh, I don't think I, I've really experienced too much of the hardships caused by everything that's happened or anything, but it's definitely forced everyone, including myself, to kind of adapt and do things differently from like little day-to-day things of like how you, you live your life, mm. how to live a life with a, you know, uh, less of a social connection and interaction of the people, how to go about doing your work or working on projects and things like that, collaborate, collaborating with people in a new setting. It's a whole bunch of challenges, but to be honest with you, I'm, I'm actually really impressed and wowed by just people in general and how good they are just adapting and just getting on with things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the world just adapted like overnight, it seems. It's taken a few hits and it's been a little, been a little bit bumpy over that course. Um, but still, people have just kind of adapted to this new normal and everyone's coming up with new creative ways to do things, you know? Mm. So I think it's impressive. Uh, I also feel like it's changed people's perspectives. At least personally, I feel uh, there's a lot of things that we take for granted, especially uh, our relationships with one another. And you always expect people to uh, to be around, but it's a shame that it takes a pandemic to actually make you, you know, realize that life is extremely short. Um, you know, it's valuable. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really just, I think personally, it's changed the way I feel about I feel I've always been very close to like my family and friends, but um, especially this period now has, has made me even closer. Yeah, there's a, definitely like a an appreciation on life and family. I mean, it's cliche that sounds and you hear it a lot, especially in sort of like the, the personal development and, and spiritual world right now. It's like it has actually had an impact on the way we look at ourselves and our lives. It almost feels like it's an awakening of consciousness in some regard. And so there is this kind of like inner reflection that we've all kind of been forced to do. Has that been your experience? Have you found that you've been having to look within and purge some old kind of habits and ways of thinking? Have have you found that being part of this sort of experience over the last five, six months? Yeah, I mean, naturally, I mean, I I have my own apartment. I spend a lot of time alone and uh, generally like I do a lot of work in my place and have a a small studio set up here. And I think by being alone a lot, naturally, you're forced to become a little bit more introspective. Yeah, You, You think about things a lot more, but yeah, definitely habits have changed. I found myself becoming a lot more of a routine person. And I don't know if that's a genetic thing because both my parents and my grand, my grandfather, especially now that I, I think about it, the one thing he tried to instill in me when I was growing up was 
kind of routine and adherence to time. And, you know, I don't, he doesn't have like a military background or anything, but it's almost like that kind of like Sergeant General vibe that he gives off when I was a kid growing up in his household, you know, like lunch is at one, dinner is at six, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And I've been doing a lot of, a lot of exercise and um, <laughs> um, other things like that, which I didn't do a lot of <laughs> before, <laughs> but but yeah, definitely habits have changed and um, introspection is is become a big thing. Sure. Uh, you too, Mazen? What about you? Yeah, pretty much, uh, you know, spending a lot of time uh, at home by yourself does make you kind of look at your habits a little bit more closely and try and figure out what's kind of what works, what doesn't work, what's kind of healthy for you, what isn't, isn't the healthiest thing to be doing. And yeah, just spending a lot of time by myself, I kind of was... I was a lot more able to cut things out that potentially weren't constructive or find things that I did find more more enjoyable, more healthy and all that kind of stuff to do a bit more of. I can't say really that I did too much of the exercise, you know, as Vish did. (laughs) I wish I did. But yeah, just go into the habit of spending time at home alone, doing things that required a bit more of an attention span. You know what I mean? Whether it's like reading a book or like working on something, whether it's like music or something that meant you had to be okay just being in your own space, in your own head and feel comfortable with that and just being able to, to maintain that that attention for, for a good amount of time. So that was something I was able to practice quite a fair bit. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure, James, uh, you will agree with this as well, but being away from the DJ lifestyle is conducive to a healthier lifestyle, I would, I would definitely yeah, absolutely, say. So absolutely. No, no opulent DJ dinners and uh, <laughs> very late nights of drinking and shenanigans. But yeah, um, yeah for sure. It's, That's the uh, one thing that I have to say, like this you know, smoky rooms, you know, obviously in the Middle East, uh, people smoke in clubs still. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. um, I, I've, I've, uh, I haven't had to deal with that. And I, honestly, I feel a lot better for it. You know, I'm still enjoying sharing music though in a different way now. And oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. With the pre interview, one of the things that was a focus for you was well being and systematic change. Would you say that you have a few more kind of like well being sort of practices now in your life? Like he's mentioned routine. Give me an example of some of the things that you're doing now to kind of like help you through this change and new lifestyle. Well, I think. Without sounding like an absolute idiot, uh, <laughs> I can run you through some of the things that I'm, I'm trying to do to better myself. Cool. Both yeah, in, please. A men- mental and physical aspect. So when I talk about routine, probably the first thing I'll do, and these are things that I never did in the past. This is just within, I would say, the last two or three months. Right. The one thing I do pretty much every day is dedicate at least an hour to two hours on a craft that I um, I want to improve on. So whether and, and most of, most of the time that is music. <laughs> so yeah. it's g- either generally reading or listening to something you know to what we're doing right now. Mm. Something where I can learn from my peers and from DJs that I look up to, or watching a mix, or mm. you know rec- recording a mix at home. You know playing with more vinyl, d- doing things that push me out of my comfort zone. Yeah. So, so so an hour or two a day on improvement. Is that what you meant by system? change no that's a completely different right thing. so you're talking more on a well yes uh, yeah, 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 yeah got it got it 
at the moment you're using your time in the mornings as a as a time to kind of improve skills and mindset absolutely yeah and the moment i've done that one or two hours of internal and kind of forcing myself essentially to improve a skill that sets me up for the rest of the day because i feel like yeah. i've accomplished something very yeah. early in the morning as somebody i mean this is probably the first time i've talked about this publicly or in an interview or anything but as someone who's generally quite anxious and overthinker as such to put yourself in a positive mind frame does wonders for the rest of your day absolutely because you feel like you've already fought your first battle and then after that you feel that menial and you know slightly more annoying tasks are m- much more accomplishable yes i couldn't agree more and then after i've done that i always speak to my family once a day at any point that always puts me in a better mood i light a lot of candles nice i don't know how that's kind of become a thing <laughs> that it just changes the atmosphere in the house yeah i spend an hour outdoors normally i tie that in with exercise so I do like a 5 or 10k run and then yeah just listening to good music working and yeah obviously meditation to end my day i know a lot of people start their day with that but i generally reserve that just before i go to bed so turn off all laptops turn off phones sit in my room and just have like 5 10 minutes just to think about the day and uh, what i've accomplished awesome and yeah it just puts me in a better space great thanks for sharing all that man that's awesome mazen is i mean is your routine a little bit more regimented or do you do anything like that i mean you don't have to but uh do you have any sort of practices that help you get you kind of like in the zone and yeah i mean it, for me it's a lot less to do with kind of routine and practical things and a little bit more about like becoming aware of kind of what we, what i put into my system if that makes sense uh uh-huh, uh uh-huh. I know with food and things like that, we a lot of us are watchful of you know the kind of food that we eat or uh, try to eat better, but have good quality food that we put into our system and all that. So I try to do a similar thing with everything else, you know, like try and read something that's good for you. Try and um, watch something that will influence my behavior or inspire me in a positive way. Listen to good music, all that kind of stuff, um, and try and stay away from things that might be negative. I know that sometimes that's. unavoidable. Mazen, don't you don't you love selling sunset on Netflix? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Man. I'm pretty sure that's negative for your body, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so basically just trying trying to kind of put positive things into what I'm consuming basically on a day-to-day basis and even conversations. I've I've been trying to keep any conversation that I have as positive as possible because I know it's easy to sometimes complain about something or take a negative twist on something mm-hmm. but i've noticed this is something that i consciously do and i don't know if it's a little bit weird but i try and like compliment people and compliment things as much as i can mm. man praise is actually self praise and praising others is yeah. is actually a really good practice to have you know i completely agree and and even if you're doing it out louder in your head just like you're walking down the street and you see a piece of art or something and just in your head just saying like oh i really love that that's a really beautiful piece mm-hmm. of art or mm-hmm. or you know someone says something to you you can directly say it to them and be like oh thank you so much i really appreciate you or this and that or or just think i really appreciate this person and just to actively kind of push that positivity ultimately just makes you so much more first of all positive in yourself and feel good about yourself third of all make you more inclined to try things and go out into the world because it becomes a lot more inviting and exciting and encouraging place out there once you frame everything in a positive light like that mm-hmm. the dad discu message and vision have you felt that kind of like progress now as well especially during this time 
Has that evolved? Because you guys have set out a mission, right, to bring out the best and sharing all this amazing music from the MENA region. Do you feel like your purpose behind that has become clearer, even more so and more defined? These new practices and this new way of thinking, has that given you a more inspirational kind of approach to your message and your music now? At least from a personal perspective, the message has always been that since the start sure if anything we noticed changing as time went on was uh, the connection aspect so what went from actually just being an idea in our heads to connect you know the diaspora or people like myself and marzin who have roots in the middle east and recontextualize what was once familiar music into a more contemporary dance setting or just something that makes you feel good you walk into a space with some strangers and you walk out feeling good at the end of the night, uh, you feel like a change or you feel connected in some way to that culture. And that connection is established through music and our selection. What we did find change was actually physically seeing that connection. So having conversations with people who, you know, traveled five or six hours to come watch us play in London and tell us about their stories, where they grew up, and how they heard about the label and, you know, what they took away from listening to our, our, our releases. That is what's changed. And the frequency of that is what's changed. More and more people messaging in, more and more people coming to shows. And it's not, not necessarily people from the region either. Like no, not at all. I mean, so, I'm yeah. talking mm. from all walks of life, all right, parts right. of the world. Like, yeah. these are not Middle Eastern people. These yes. are, you know, people from Japan, people from... Australia, Sweden, mm. whatever. Mm, mm. And yeah, I think you do this as well, James, and it's really great to, to see radio plays a big part in that, you know, our mm. radio shows, our mixes, that's been the kind of portal, <laughs> like yeah. kind of like yeah. cosmic portal that connects like all these weird, like people from all over the universe yeah, to, yeah. To, to the Dardisku sound. So yeah. Yeah, I think similar to what Vish was saying, um, from the get-go, I think the idea has remained the same. Mm. And very early on, me and Vish um, would have conversations before we started Dardisku um, or before we already had a name or anything like that. And we basically just talked about what we wanted to exist, um, like what kind of thing we wanted to manifest. We've made music for years and years and years. Uh, we've made music since we were kids and teenagers and all that kind of stuff in various shapes and forms, really. And most of the time that was for the purpose of making something that, was, that sounded cool some nice music, that kind of thing, something that was dancey, something that was loud or whatever it was. That was usually it was in the past. But with Dardisku, there was a kind of, there's a very clear concept to us from early on where I remember we were talking and saying to each other, I wish there was a, like a space or um, some kind of like platform where we could showcase all of this music that we've discovered, you know, all this stuff from the Middle East and North Africa and surrounding regions. Like I wish we could kind of share this with our, with our friends and people around us and just um, show them how awesome it is. And, and I wish we could take this music and give it a new context. Like I remember us saying to each other, hey Vish, when was the last time you've been to a club or something? and heard Middle Eastern music we played as, as dance music. And obviously around that time, there was people doing similar things with that kind of thing. But it was more us trying to create something that we wanted to exist. There was a very clear motivator behind all of our actions that somehow were able to tie everything together into a label, into a performance, into an online presence slash community. And like I say, I think from the get-go, 
the intention was there, but what it expanded or turned into wasn't necessarily clear from the beginning. And it's gradually kind of naturally progressed to various things, but still holding that same core concept or that desire to create something that didn't really exist as you would have liked it to at the beginning. Just to add on to what Marzen said, like, I guess what, what I'm about to say sounds extremely egotistical, but at the same time, it's completely the opposite. I do remember when we were having these conversations about setting up a place where we want to exist. I remember telling Marzen something. I remember saying, I want us, I want Dardisku, for, at least from a live performance perspective. I want to be our favorite DJs. I want to create something. I, I want to become our own favorite DJs, if that makes any sense. And, mm. and in a weird way, that goal is completely unattainable. And at the same time, that pushes us constantly to do things that I would want to go see. As an individual, I would create moments that I would want to experience as an individual at a nightclub. And James, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about when I say moments, but there's moments when you're on the dance floor that leave you like jaw on the floor, like goosebumps on your arm, sure. like everything is perfect in the world. Like every time me and Mazen play a show, that's what I try to, as long as you've done like had one of those moments in our set, I feel like we've been successful, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, I think that a key word that Marzen really mentioned, and we, we don't talk about this enough, is manifestation. And it's something I never believed in until every time something happened, <laughs> Marzen and I would call each other and be like, dude, didn't we talk about this like two months ago? Synchronicity. Didn't we talk about it? <laughs> it, it's, it's crazy, James. Like yeah. the amount of times I've picked up the phone to Marzen, like a little girl screaming down the phone, like, oh my God, like, guess, guess what just happened? Like, guess, guess who did this? Or when I say little girl or little boy or any, any child, when you have that like feeling of excitement, you know? Well, there, there is, there is scienti scientific uh, information about that kind of stuff with quantum yeah, physics. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, like then, you have, having that vibration inside of you and, and a clear vision of what you guys want to do. And it sounds like you have, you know, your story and what you guys are doing, what you're continuing to do. Is unfolding. So, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, and, and we just found ourselves um, manifesting these, these things that we wanted to happen. And we would look at each other uh, and we'd say, hey, wouldn't it be great if this happened? Three months later, it happens. <laughs> and and we've, just, we've just been constantly doing this um, <laughs> since day one. And, and you know what? It's not something that's like, it's not some like supernatural thing. It's, 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 <laughs> it's genuinely, you know, in the same way that I was talking earlier about saying things out loud, like positive things or compliments yes. to people and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, it, it, the same thing applies with this whole manifestation thing or trying to visualize your goals or your dreams. If you say them out loud or just talk about them to another person mm. um, very clearly and define, I want to be able to do this or it's my dream to one day or sometime in the near future, be able to do X, Y, and Z. Um, unconsciously, day-to-day -day, as you live your life, you'll make little decisions, small little tiny decisions, small little behaviors that gradually bring you nearer and nearer to that goal um, without you even realizing. But as soon as you acknowledge that out loud, you gradually change the way you do things. And it slowly pushes you towards that. And at the same time, saying that out loud means that people around you become aware of what your intentions are, what your dreams and aspirations are. Mm. And then they kind of, you take on this collective form where because people know, hey, um, 
Maz or Vish is interested in that particular thing, maybe I should show them this type, this type of music or introduce them to this person mm. or invite them over to this thing. And then gradually you get guided towards that that end goal if that makes sense i know yes. it still sounds a little bit supernatural no no like, hey man you know like, I, I mean, totally right? yeah i i totally re relate to this you know it's uh yeah. when you're projecting kind of like um what you and it, it, it has a it has a lot to do with um having that clear vision of you know what you want to do the purpose of it the responsibility all these kind of things when they're when they're i uh, and i'm firm believer of this like when you have those things aligned and and it comes out of you then then those synchronicities you start to actually you start to see them you know like it becomes clearer and people start to gravitate towards you that are aligned with that vision and that 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 purpose and and what you're trying to do and you because you, you you're projecting that you know it's like yeah you know our, and you know, it's it it you know it is somewhat supernatural. You know, it is somewhat magical. You know, it, it's uh, I um, it's been part of a very big part of the way I I the way I do my work as well. So, um, but back to um, you know, discussing about the the you know the around the label. I mean, what what where in terms of originality as well and the the because there's, I mean, in the last say ten years as well, specifically, there's been mm -hmm. this sort of fascination around Mina music, and there's, um, and look, I mean, remixing and emulating uh, has been around for so long. What do you think? A, why do you think there's been a, a, a like a a fascination in Mina music? It, especially recently recently and also like i mean there's been djs before us and there's been people in the music uh, in different oops, in different areas and um so yeah the well let's answer that mina mina music explosion and fascination yeah. over the last few years what do you where do you where, why do you think that's been quite significant so uh, I think, um, you know, uh, looking back, you know, before the last 10 years, let's go to about 20, 15 years ago, um, people around the world, let's say in the UK and the States, Europe, so-and-so, um, were all aware of the MENA region, right? But I think at the time, if you didn't live there, someone like yourself, for example, mm. um, as is the case with many places that people don't live, it becomes a little bit of a, of a caricature, a little bit of a stereotype of, mm. of what it really is. That makes sense. Um, so um, I think what happened over the last 10 years, more so recently as well, um, and maybe there's something to do with kind of social media, maybe it's to do with um, more arts or, or artists in general um, coming from the region, is it's turned less into a uh, into a caricature and it's been a little bit more of a kind of detailed tapestry what the region is so the difference between different countries different parts of the middle east or north africa um the different types of music the different types of 
food and people and everything has become more clear to people. Um, so when you think of Middle Eastern music um, nowadays, um, you don't necessarily think of you know something that you hear. Uh, you know, you know when you have a a film and then there's like a Middle Eastern scene or like they're suddenly in like Syria or Iraq or something and your generic like oud or something or Arabic scale starts playing and it's all very <laughs> eerie and spooky and belly dancer. Um, you know what I mean, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like no one listens to that music. Like, like I didn't, my parents didn't listen to that music. No people listen to that kind of music in, in their homes or for some reason that's the go-to sound. But anyway, um, so yeah, it's turned less into that and more into um, uh, into something a little bit more more complex, you know. Um, the same way with, like, if, let's say you go to a restaurant, um, you don't go to like a world food restaurant, right? Mm. You go to like an Italian restaurant, you go to a French restaurant, you go to like a Chinese restaurant. And then within that, like for a Chinese restaurant, you'd go to a Shizuan restaurant, or you'd go to exactly. a Cantonese restaurant, or when you go yeah. to Italian, you could have some Tuscan food, a Calabrian food, or exactly. You went to uh, Indian, you wouldn't just say Indian food. You could have like South Indian. So people are becoming more aware, as Mazda yeah, said. Yeah, 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 they right. are, um, and, and and I think the, the reason for that is, like I say, exposure. Right. So in the same way that over the last few years. Um, and fairly recently, I think as well, um, slowly the, the use of the word uh, world music is dying out because in a similar way to, to food, now everyone is becoming aware of the different kind of, um, you know, cuisines or the different like genres of music. They know about like rye music. They know about like dubke music. They know about like. So you think they're being more specific now, like people are actually rather than like putting it under one umbrella, they like being that, that because because of the awareness and what's happened people are now becoming more like when they're talking about it that they're, they're aware yeah exactly. yeah yeah I, I think um just to add on and and go back to that the main question itself is why has there been that explosion i just thought i'd take like a I guess a completely different take on this question or a different way of answering this question mm. so marzen's discussed i guess the geopolitical so like social awakening and understanding of the the kind of mm -hmm, mm -hmm. subgenres and fa different various faucets of Middle Eastern culture. Yeah. I think in my perspective, the reason for this explosion has been sonically. So let's rewind to early 2000s. At least my first exposure of Middle Eastern music was not through the traditional sense of Gulf and Khaliji music. It was, it was through a completely different genre of music, which was hip hop. The first time I heard a full segment of an Arabic song, I remember was early 2000s when Timberland and Scott Storch were using not just segments, but major parts of Arabian songs mm. in hip hop beats. Yeah. Like it was like Alia and yeah, Timberland, Missy Elliott. Mm. These are people who I loved anyway as a teenager and then to hear that i was like oh, this is so different to your standard hip-hop beat it's so different to your 50 cent it's so different to your eminem it sounds crazy when it came on in a club so that was my first exposure not but to interrupt you bitch or something but i just had a, a really like uh, i had a flashback to like when uh, uh when you know when jay-z put out uh, big pimpin um mm. and then and being being at home i think I was, I was a teenager at the time i can't remember uh, but my dad walking past and he, he was like, Oh, this is Abdul Halim Hafiz. I'm like, what? I was like, no, it's Jay-Z, man. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, no, no, this is Abdul Halim. And I'm like, what? 
And it took me a while to realize that that was a sample. And uh, yeah, it's, like, it's, it's funny you say that because um, I think that song react uh, is it react. Um, I got, there's like a Bollywood song that's okay, been used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know? I don't know which one you. Uh, what the actual name is? I forget. Yeah. It's on my head. My mum was like, "Ah, these guys these days. If only they knew like the original song." Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that very similar moment. But yeah, going back to to what I was saying, sonically, Middle Eastern music, even in a club setting or a traditional setting. But for many people, uh, this may come as a shock, but I don't speak a word of Arabic, neither do I. I, I mean, I understand a little, it's improving, mm. but my, I am in no way fluent in Arabic music. So my perception of Arabic music to Marzin is through a completely different lens. So when I send him something, it's not because I understand what the fuck is, sorry, am I It's okay, it's all right. <laughs> um, it's not because I understand what the fuck is going on. It's because I truly have felt a reaction to that song from a musical and sonic yes, perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is, that's what I love about Dardiscus because there's like this, this like language and sonic barrier that exists between me and Marzen, but that's the best part. Right. It is truly the best part because I knew if I had his understanding or he had my understanding of Bollywood music, we wouldn't have found or shared or, or taken that big leap when we play, you know, the curveball track in one of our sets is because that curveball track is either one of his or one of mine, you know? Mm, mm, mm. And yeah, sonically, the, the microtonal scale used in Middle Eastern music is like nothing else, else in Western music. When you play in a club, people are already like, what the hell is this? Um, percussively, it's heavier. It's, it's more, um, it's never four to the floor or it, it, it has an undertone of four to the floor, but it's shuffled mm. on top. So there's like a completely different dance pattern. The way you move your body when you listen to Middle Eastern music or Indian music feels different. So it creates a sense of like transcendence when you're on a dance floor. You feel like you're, you're somewhere else. Mm. And when you compile all of this stuff together, so what Marzen talked about, what I just talked about, you're left with this product, which is so familiar to your ears, but at the same time, like you've never heard it before. Mm. And that, that for us is why we do what we do. Mm. I feel I feel like though uh the when we heard Timberlake and um sorry Timberland and and uh, uh, T- Timberlake as well yeah, yeah 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 right you're right but I mean I, I, we heard even even Beyonce like they were using Arabic sounds um in the last 20 years I think now though okay Arabic kids from the region and and Arab kids around the world they would have picked up on that and heard it but I think now, though, it's become more um, rec- like it's more identified in the West, not from just Arab like Arab kids. So you guys yeah. would have picked it up back then, but like now that Drake tune, he's like busting out lyrics in Arabic and <laughs> like they, shout, out, <laughs> shout out Drizzy man, shout out uh, OVO. <laughs> so. You you know like I, it just seems that there and and of course you know DJ Khaled you know like there's all these references now it's almost like it's cool to be Arab. I was just like- gonna say I was just gonna say like man when when and I, it's the same with I mean I can talk about this from a very personal and I guess this is I was never proud to be Indian. I was mm. never pr- like at school. I yeah yeah the, mu- I bet. the music right, I yeah. listened to. Mm, I wanted mm. to listen to hip hop. I wanted to feel a connection with Western culture. I was never proud of like where I'm from. But only until I was about like 15 or 16, I became 
so proud of a growing up in the Middle East and my culture and India and to mm. the point where I called like I invited Marzen to like my family home to like India and I wanted him to be like no 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 like yes I talk about being Indian but I want you to feel what it's like to be Indian mm. I want you to come I want you to see the people I want you to know how we how we care about other people I want you to taste the food you know yeah and and share it share it yeah, and yeah, we're yeah. doing that through music but yeah like you said now like all the girls, uh, you know, like <laughs> looking up to like Gigi Hadid, and they're like, "Oh, she's so cool. She's Palestinian." And yeah, like, I think it's, uh, I think that that's a sign of the times as well. Like that that the world has become a lot more open and more accepting in that sense. That uh, it as we were, when we started off the conversation today, like you could also see this as part of you know the human race conscious awareness. You know, like. You can see that through music. People are becoming a lot more open to uh, music and knowing and wanting to know. Because what I'm finding too, even from um, a younger, like what I find from a younger generation, I feel like there was a little gap where things were kind of a bit hazy in music. But I'm finding now a lot of art, new artists and just kids in general, like in the early 20s, they're really doing their homework. And they really like want to know the origins of music again. Like I'm just, uh, that's what I feel. I'm seeing that a lot more as well. So yeah, I think, um, I think there's a, there's a definitely, and, and, and going back to Dad Disco, like as a, as a, um, a label and w- what it's doing and, and its contribution to music at the moment, you know, there, there is a responsibility for you guys, you know, there's a responsibility and I think you guys are fulfilling that role. And you're doing a good job for doing doing a good job for it. I mean, what what's next for for Dad Disco? There's, is there a, a whole bunch of new releases coming out now in the next six months, or what's happening? Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, Mars, Mars. Um, I'll let Mars talk about it okay. in a bit more detail. But the last four or so months have been a culminative project um, between a collaborative project between a producer in, in, you know, long standing Dardisco affiliate, um, moving still from Dublin yep, yep. and Saudi Arabia, um, and, and Ch- Chade as well from the Netherlands, mm-hmm. um, myself and Marzen from a, a kind of A&R and, and even production perspective on the A side on this new release. Um, the research behind this project, the art direction, it's all been a lead up to our fourth release, which is coming out sometime, <laughs> I think, eventually. Um, yeah, we, that's been our, our main project. And also, you know, just to, to start working with more Middle Eastern artists and um, hopefully get back on the live circuit as well, because I, I truly miss that, yeah. the playing in front of people. Sure. And yeah, some, some new merch, um, some new cultural projects as well we're gonna you know we're thinking about doing some exhibitions and and galleries um working with old musicians from bahrain and getting their story but i think marzen can shed a bit more light about the the new release yeah so um we've uh, done a couple of announcements and stuff about this release uh but yeah it's our fourth of, of its kind uh dd004 and like vish said yeah we've got a side and a uh, B-side, both fantastic tracks, if I may say so. I'm very proud of them. And it's it's so reflective of us all having to change the way we do things slightly with all these like lockdown measures and restrictions and all of that. But also shows like how well we can kind of collaborate even in these kind of restricted times. I mean, mm-hmm. me and Vish are 
obviously from Bahrain, but based in the UK. We've got Moving Still and Tiade, each from different countries, Ireland and Netherlands. Uh, on top of that, getting a record that's being, being actually physically built and pressed in Ireland and then being shipped a company based in Europe worldwide. Are they, are like they it's are a, these two are these two producers collaborating together or is it separate? Yeah, yeah. It's, right. the, B, the B side is actually, it's an edit by both of them. So they've both done production, sending each other files on Ableton. Right, they've done the edit together. Yeah, yeah right. digi- digitally, it's crazy. Um, yeah. Right. yeah, and so, so it's been this big collaborative effort from people that have been scattered around different countries and we've still made it work. Um, so mm. I'm very proud of that, that aspect to it, but the actual music itself, uh, the first track is, uh, Abdul Qadir. So this track is, it's a song that everyone, if you grew up in the Middle East or you're aware of Middle Eastern music, um, you'll know it. It's like this big anthem. They play it at weddings, they play it at parties and so on. Um, it was made famous by, um, uh, Sheb Sheb Khalid, Khalid. Rashid Taha and Sheb. Uh-huh. Ah, yes. Yeah, yep. she was a chef. Sh- no, I forgot his name. Chef Fadl. That's it. Yeah, huge anthem. We basically just by by some chance. I think Vish, you're the one, you're the one who stumbled across this track initially. Yeah, um, it was like on one of those like three a.m. I can't sleep, so I'm gonna go into the deep, <laughs> deepest, darkest parts of the internet. Yeah. on like a hunt for new music and i remember texting marzin i just sent him one line i just said we found it yeah and, and, and uh, honestly it blew my mind when i when i when i heard it and he sent it my way because like i say the the original track um is such an anthem but this was like it had a different feel to it yeah. it was like this disco-y funky like you know slightly poppy electronic and experimental version of it uh with, some, with an interesting take on the vocals as well so yeah, we just started chopping that up and, and adding our little twists to it and our little flavor. And I think we've come out with something very, very special. I think something that people will really enjoy. I can't wait to start dropping that in a live setting. And when, Especially people, have you people got, don't expect it. Have you got a release date yet for that? Um, no fixed release date. I don't want to say like a, a fixed. Okay. Um, but in the coming uh, months. Time. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. announce that pretty soon. I think cool. um, we're just getting everything, everything set up and making sure we've got all our records pressed and ready to go. And as soon as we have that, I think we'll awesome. make it available to let them know. Fantastic, guys. Well, tell us uh, where can we find that disco? Instagram. We're pretty active on there. Like, yep. drop us a message if you ha- like. If you're a producer, if you have any like actual music, I'm sure a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are very knowledgeable like yourself james about um <laughs> music and, and 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 are interested beyond actual music interested in in cultures as well and um so yeah instagram's a great place uh we have a bunch of mixes uh through um you can find some stuff on resident advisor um Cool. Uh, yeah. We, well, I'll, we, I'll definitely pop up the, uh, the the links that I have. Uh, people will be able to see them in the the, no- the liner notes on Apple Music and and uh, the other platforms. So thanks. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll add all those the ones that I have: Instagram, Resident Advisor, Facebook, SoundCloud, the usual suspects, and of course your website as well, where uh, you guys have a beautiful website, by the way. Love it. All right. Well, shout, shout, shout out to Wix. <laughs> yeah. Well, Vish Mazin, a.k.a. Dardisku. Boys, it was awesome. I really enjoyed chatting with you guys today. Thanks for coming. Yeah, you too, man. Yeah, Thank man. man. It's, it was, been, it's been a really long time and I'm yeah, actually yeah, it has really been. hoping we can- uh, Well, I was, know, I was we, hoping to see you back in February when you were here, but I was away. And, yeah, uh, and, and also and we got like, invited- Yeah, go on. 
we got invited back to Dubai um, this summer and obviously that couldn't happen. Oh, damn. But um, I think, James, we need to have a separate talk and organize the craziest party Dubai has <laughs> yeah. ever seen. For sure. I can't wait. I can't wait. James, Lock- James Locksmith, don't do scoot back to back seven hours. Like- <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like the sound of that. <laughs> All right, gents. Take care. It's really Take great. care, Take bro. Care, man. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.